Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll give them a call. They do great work. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine, Be in the Know, and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific show lined up for you today. William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, will be joining us. We'll visit with Marina Berkovich. She wrote uh, My Life Through My Dress. It's a great transparent look at her life growing up in, commun- in the Soviet Union. <clears throat> uh, we'll look forward to her. She grew up in, uh, actually, Kiev. And we'll look forward to her comments uh, and her contacts uh, uh, in Kiev right now and uh, her view of the war. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon. Research fellow at the Cato Institute. He, I should say, he's actually the uh, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books. His latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Fr- Frontier, he co-wrote uh, with Buzz Aldrin. It is March the 11th, and on this day in 1779, Congress established the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to help plan, design, and prepare environmental and structural facilities for the U.S. Army. Made up of civilian workers, members of the Continental Army, and French officers, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers played an essential role in the critical Revolutionary War battles at Bunker Hill, Saratoga, and Yorktown. The members of the Corps who had joined at the time of the founding in 1779 left the Army with their fellow veterans at the end of the war for independence. In 1794, Congress created a Corps of Artillerists and Engineers to serve the same purpose under the new federal government. The Corps of Engineers itself was reestablished as an enduring division of the federal government in 1802. Under its reestablishment, the Corps began its chief task of creating and maintaining military fortifications. These responsibilities increased in urgency as the new United States prepared for a second war with Britain in the years before 1812. The Corps' greatest contribution during this era was the defense of New York Harbor. The fortifications it built not only persuaded British naval commanders to stay away from the city during the War of 1812, but later served as the foundation for the Statue of Liberty. In subsequent years, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers evolved from providing services for military to helping map out uncharted territories that would become the western United States. Beginning in 1824, the Corps also took responsibility for navigation and flood control of the nation's river systems. Today, the uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers is made up of more than 35,000 civilians and enlisted men and women. In recent years, the Corps has been worked on rebuilding projects in Afghanistan and Iraq, as well as the reconstruction of the city of New Orleans in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. In fact, the Army Corps of Engineers is doing a study for uh, the area for Paradise Coast, for Naples, Cuyahoga County, uh, to determine what we could do to fortify our beaches and to make sure that we're not at harm's way with hurricanes and other intrusions of weather here on the Paradise Coast. Well, Russia escalated attacks on the Ukrainian cities, at, uh, and but diplomacy is faltering right now. On day 13 of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Moscow's forces have made little progress, as bloody stalemate is now characterizing the conflict. Despite heavy shelling from the Russian forces, the Ukrainian military continues to put up fierce resistance. But today is going to be a very bad day for the United States. Russia will be exposing U.S. support to Ukraine over the last 17 years for research in biological and chemical weapons. Russia will attempt to expose the United States as a gross violator of the Convention on the Prohibition of the Development, Production, and Stockpiling of Bacteriological and Toxin Weapons and their destruction. So that's going to happen today at the U.N. at 11 a.m., be interesting to see how this comes out. The uh, State Department is vociferously denying the fact that this even exists. So what is the truth here? We'll look forward to finding out. But there certainly is a lot of evidence that it is occurring. 
In a startling turnabout, about more than three months of largely stagnant negotiations, Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association reached agreement yesterday on a new collective bargaining agreement agreement with a significantly impact the game, capping a five-day stretch of lengthy bartering that resulted in a chance to salvage a full 162-game season. Uh, the delay will be one week. It's The uh, season will start on April the 7th. And they're going to make up all the games they missed, a couple, probably five, ten games through double headers throughout the season. The season will be for the first time include a full-time designated hitter in the National League and conclude with expanded playoffs with 12 teams, six in each league, making the field for the first time in a 162-game season. A lot of baseball compressed in uh, April through November. Major League Baseball players will officially report Sunday and the first 2022 spring training games will be played uh, March 18th, according to uh, Minnesota, Minnesota Twins official. Uh, so this is, uh, it's all coming together. It's kind of neat. Uh, they'll be reporting soon, and tickets are going to go on sale immediately after the schedule is released. It's going to be about a 34-game uh, preseason, spring training season for uh, the Red Sox and the Twins. Good news. I'm happy to hear, see baseball is going to be played this year. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis is slamming woke Disney over the company's lobbying against the legislation critics have labeled as Don't Say Gay Bill, which cleared the legislature this week. And despite fierce opposition from the LBGTQXMZ community, whatever it is, the company's decision to try to persuade DeSantis to veto the Don't Say Gay legislation appears to have incensed the governor. He he spoke out about it. The controversial legislation states that, quote-unquote, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in its manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. Now, that's the law. That's the don't-say-gay legislation They're calling uh, the Don't Say Gay legislation, which is absurd. The LGBTQ rights organization says the bill could discriminate against gay and transgender individuals and cause a chilling effect against students even discussing (laughs) with their families. Students across the state walked out of school in protest of the legislation, for which they had absolutely no understanding. What a shame. Anyhow, Disney's come under pressure to take the stand. Take a stand. Bob Chapek, who's the company CEO, called DeSantis this week to create a call a meeting. Here's the public comments that DeSantis made. You uh, you have companies like uh, Disney that's going to say that uh, and criticize parents' rights. They're going to criticize the fact that we don't want transgenderism in kindergarten and first grade uh, classrooms. He told the group uh, group of supporters, if that's the hill they're going to die on, then how do they possibly explain lining their pockets with their relationship with Communist Party of China, said DeSantis. In Florida, our policy is uh, is going to be based on the best interest of Florida citizens, not on musing of woke corporations, the governor continued. DeSantis, however, did benefit from uh, Disney money. The company donated $100,000 to his political committee. My bet, he gets more than that in, in the next political go-around. Clearly, uh, DeSantis, uh, Disney stubbed their toe on this one, and Dan DeSantis uh, pointed it out. All right, everybody deserves human rights and uh, rights, but the, <laughs> don't say gay has nothing to do with the legislation that was passed. It's really in the best interest of the kids and families. Well, hate crime hoaxer and disgraced actor Jesse Smollett has been sentenced on Thursday to 150 days in Cook County Jail, 30 months of probation, paying restitution of $120,100 and a fine of $25,000. Well, that's good. I wouldn't take any time on this, but you know what? I'm really pleased with what the judge said. He talked for 40 minutes in, in giving out the sentence, and it was really excellent. I'm going to just give you a few excerpts. But, uh, of course, he, when he's leaving the courtroom, he said, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, and I'm not suicidal, as he was hauled off to jail. <clears throat> Here's some of the judge's comments. You are a charlatan, pretending to be a victim of a hate crime, said the judge. Judge Lynn was his name. Your very name has become an adverb for lying. 
Your performance of the witness stand can only be described as pure perjury, the judge added. You are now a permanently convicted felon. There's nothing that I can do here today that will come close to the damage you've already done to your own life, said the judge. You turned your life upside down by your misconduct and shenanigans. Judge Lynn added that Smollett's hypocrisy is astounding, given that the actor has taken a keen interest in social justice issues for many years, said staged a hate crime against himself because he really craved attention. I believe you did uh, damage to real hate crime victims, the judge said. The officer asked you a simple question, and then you started to lie and haven't stopped lying since, the judge said. You've been lying and lying and lying about this case, and that's why you're here today. A uh, judge added that they can only be described as pure perjury when Smollett got on the witness stand and committed hour upon hour upon hour of pure perjury. During the trial, prosecutors uh, showcased how Smollett had gone through at extraordinary lengths to, in January 2019 to stage a hate crime against himself in which he hired a couple of Nigerian brothers to carry out the attack. Smollett claimed that he was physically attacked by two men wearing MAGA hats and put a rope around his neck and poured bleach on him and shouted racial and homophobic slurs at him before yelling, this is MAGA country. <laughs> Dodo. Anyhow, the brothers later testified that Smollett gave them money to buy the rope and then turned into, it into a noose and put around his neck and the ski mask to hide their faces. Justice Smollett. He's still claiming that he's innocent. And uh, it's what a liar and what a shame and what a waste of uh, talent, too, that uh, he's engaged in. And what a shame, you know, uh, F. Scott Peck, Peck wrote a book called People of the Lie. It basically says that pure evil comes from lying. And uh, this, I think, demonstrates that Smollett is evil. Well, Americans are uh, experiencing a spike in anxiety uh, in President Joe Biden's America due to rising prices, supply chain issues, and global uncertainty. And the American Psychological Association's annual Stress in America poll revealed this. The stress over the past year has piled on as Americans continue to face coronavirus restrictions, inflation, global conflicts under Biden's presidency. The survey found a whopping 87% of Americans identifying rises in prices of everyday items due to inflation. Uh, as a significant source of stress. 81% also pointed to the supply chain issues as a significant source of stress, followed by global uncertainty, potential retaliation from Russia, and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And, uh, and they have real, real reason for concern. They're not, people aren't making this up. I mean, prices have increased substantially. Used cars up 41%, gasoline 38%. Utilities, 23.8%. Meat and fish and eggs, 13%. New cars, 12.4%. Electricity, up 9%. Food at home, 8.6%. You know, overall, the CPI, Consumer Price Index, is up 7.9%. Uh, Thursday also marked the fourth consecutive day of uh, gas prices, soaring at a record high and reaching $4.31.8. Unbelievable. President's, uh, by the way, <laughs> Rasmussen Report's daily presidential tracking poll shows that 39% of likely U.S. voters approve of Biden's job performance. I don't know what they're thinking, but anyhow, 60% disapprove. The latest figures show 21% who strongly approve the job he's doing and 50% who strongly disapprove, giving him a presidential approval index rating of minus 29. Pretty low. You know what? I don't think the war in Ukraine is going to pull... Uh, President's uh, fat out of the fire right now. People hold him accountable for, what, for what's happening. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, 
fabulous food and a rockin' good time, Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new uh, social networking uh, platform, and I hope you find out more. Visit it. Uh, you can download the app by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Marina Berkovich, born in the Soviet Russia. Right now, we have with us William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, William, uh, of course, uh, everything that's happening in Ukraine and in the global situation is uh, sucking all the air out of the room, so to speak. But there's a lot going on on in D.C., and uh, kind of interesting to see how the president is addressing the inflation issue, especially with what's going on with gasoline. Well, it is indeed. And, and I think this, uh, the foreign policy matters have really put into stark relief uh, the confusion, the profound confusion behind um, Biden's uh, energy policy. And in here, uh, there's really a, a core contradiction at play um, within the Democratic Party. Um, and that is his base, to his base, Oil and gas production is a threat to the world. I mean, it's the cause of climate change. It's anathema to his base. Um, at the same time, Biden is an old-school politician who appreciates the politics of high gas prices. Um, so, as the you know, in the, in the, the, due to both increasing demand as the economy as economies worldwide are getting back online, um, but also this acute crisis in Ukraine, we're seeing gas prices go up to record levels. And Biden's response, um, you know, it really has been quite muddled, something amazing. He's on the one hand, he's called for us domestically to accelerate our our transition um, to so-called green energy, clean energy sources. And to this end, you know, he's he's already issued a number of consequential policies like canceling that Keystone XL pipeline and, and pausing leasing of oil and gas drilling on federal lands. Um, so on the one hand, he says for us, let's accelerate the clean energy. On the other hand, he's reportedly reached out to, to Venezuela and will do so to Iran um, to seek their help, to seek increased oil production uh, from them. 
um, to, to help mitigate price uh, the increase in, in, in the price of gas. So it's you know the, the, this dichotomous result where we're denying ourselves energy production, but uh, seeking increased uh, energy production from um, you know regimes that that I thought were were enemies of the United States. Right, right. Um, it's a curious, curious result. It is indeed, and uh, in my opinion, I think you know he's lied to us about the situation. Uh, Pasaki or whatever her name is uh, continues to say, "Hey, well, there's got nine thousand leases. They could be drilling right now if they wanted to. They they're holding back." Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, it, with the policy currently in place, do you blame uh, energy companies for what not wanting to take the risk of going out and doing exploration? I certainly don't. Number two, uh, there's no proof that those wells are going to actually or those leases are going to produce anything. It, it's uh, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they have leases, but now they have to be explored to determine if there's oil under the land. And maybe they've already determined there's not. But third of all, I mean, they've got the Anwar uh, up in Alaska. They've got a number of things they could do right now to start. If, in fact, they signal to the uh, energy companies, we are supporting you 100%. Go for it. We want to produce oil and, and uh, energy. We could turn the spigot on right now. Look, I uh, don't disagree that these sorts of signals can be sent to the market, and and, and yes, I mean it's a uh, uh, Biden. Uh, well, I'll just agree. I mean, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, uh, in in any event, right now, the president is basically saying, "There's nothing I could do." <laughs> He's saying, "Well, you know, I will add in here." So the blame game with the oil companies is a bit beyond the pale. Right. Um, we spoke, I think it was two months ago, about him asking them to go um, full throttle on production. So uh, remember, at the same time, I believe in his speech uh, two days ago, he also uh, threatened oil companies with consequences if they continued with their so-called price gouging. So he throws out all these accusations and threats that, that really aren't based on anything, in addition to, again, his base demonizing the industry. Yeah. Um, so this notion whereby uh, the Biden administration is purporting that it in no way is inhibiting um, domestic production, it, it really is just word spin. Right. And, and I'll say this as well. Um, Trump, you know, there, there were full, the flaws, to be sure. Um, but his energy policy was unequivocal. It was something that people understood. This, you know, to be sure, that it's a little bit silly, this notion of energy dominance. But it is clear. Yeah. Um, and it is the antithesis of what we've got going on with the, the current president. And indeed, I would say it's preferable. Its clarity is preferable to this muddled uh, uh, morass of an energy policy that, that Biden sets forth, whereby you know, he says one thing out of one side of his mouth and says another thing out of the other. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your comments. And I will remind our listeners that uh, Cato Institute is a nonpartisan organization. So I, I, you know, I, I clearly don't hold back. You do a little bit, and I certainly <laughs> appreciate that, William. Uh, in other words, are careful about uh, the language that you use about what's going on. So uh, let's talk a little bit about this uh, before I let you go, about what the, uh, the new spending bill that includes all kinds of pork, uh, $1.5 trillion. Any thoughts? Yeah, it's a 2,741-page bill introduced in Congress on Wednesday and passed the House and the Senate by Thursday evening, so within 24 hours. And no one has read it. I mean, I, I give you a person, with the exception of leadership staff, I mean, there were many senators this morning who were complaining about having to vote for a bill that they have yet to even uh, peruse. Um, so it's a sad commentary on the sausage making in Congress. And, and I wish there was more that we could discuss. I mean, no one has unpacked this thing yet. I mean, it came on so fast and, um, uh, you know, was passed with such lightning speed that uh, as of yet, we don't know what sort of pork is in there. Um, yeah. All we know is that it amounts to $1.5 Yeah, unbelievable. William Yateman, again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. Check out the website, very robust, cato.org, C-A-T-O. Org. William, thank you so much for your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with Marina Perkovich, uh, author of My Life Through My Dresses, an interesting read about growing up in Soviet Russia. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned. 
for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples is going to be absolutely exquisite, but also providing you and bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. The website is Gulf Shore Playhouse. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Marina Berkovich. She's a good friend. She's also the founder and president, CEO of the Jewish Historical Society of Southwest Florida and the author of her autobiographical, My Life Through My Dresses, an interesting discussion of her life growing up in Soviet Russia. Marina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so very much for inviting me, Bob. My, Always love being with you. Oh, thank you, Marina. So uh, you grew up in Soviet Russia, and uh, actually, I think, if I'm not mistaken, in Kiev in uh, Ukraine. Yes, I I actually was born in Kiev, and I lived there my entire <clears throat> life in the USSR. So it's not really Soviet Russia, it's Soviet Union, which Americans, for some reason, always called Soviet Russia. Yeah. So, Marina, uh, there's so much conflicting news going on right now, and I would just be interested in your thoughts, uh, if you're hearing from relatives, whatever it might be. I mean, the the uh, absolute uh, tragedy of the lives that are being disrupted in uh, Ukraine right now and killed and maimed and all the things that are going on. Just uh, to give you an open question about uh, what is your response and what are your thoughts? Well, it's a horrendous experience. Uh, I don't wish upon any human being in our day and time to be actually bombarded by all sorts of weapons, not to be deprived of the basic necessities like food, heat, um, uh, water, and other needs, but also it's a mentally, a totally debilitating experience for the people who are stuck. They don't, you know, they are right there, they're a target. It, it, from every direction, because also, um, you know, uh, some people uh, who received weapons are actually reported to have been robbing apartments which were vacated. And um, it's just it's adding insult to injury. But all sorts of things happen as human beings are going through this horrible wartime experience, which re- resonates a lot of different wartime experiences. But this is very different 
because even during last World War, we did not have the information network like we have right now. Mm -hmm. So to see the people that, you know, I in particular was watching every town surrounding Kiev being bombarded this week. And I went to summer pioneer camps into these little towns. And um, my heart bled for every victim there. My heart bleeds for Kiev, but my heart bleeds also for everybody who's going to lose their children. Because wartime experience affects both the country that's being invaded and the country that's doing the invading. So as you said, Soviet Russia, um, I am a part of that USSR group of people that in America we are all called Russians. And the backlash from all of this has been in the USA a totally debilitating experience of boycotting Russian-owned small businesses, which people deal with grief in different ways. Yeah. Orchestras are boycotting Tchaikovsky, you know, who's a composer from 19th century. Um, so people are dealing with it very differently. And um, the news that I have from the ground, from the relatives that I still have there, um, uh, very concise because every morning I basically find out who's alive uh, by looking on Facebook if they posted anything. If they did, then I move on to the next person. If I didn't hear anything within the last couple of hours, I text them and I ask them how they survived the night. Mm. Or I hear from other relatives that are all around the world. We all keep in touch and pass the information around. I, I, I've been uh, following one family of a close friend that escaped from Zhitomir, a city about 120, 150 kilometers away from Kiev, but she has made it to Poland. And um, it's, it's a desperate situation. It's a horrible thing to be a refugee. I was a very different kind of a refugee in my time, running away from the Soviet Union yeah. in 1979. It was a horrible experience. I've always said that I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. Yeah. But at least we were not being bombed as this was happening. Yeah. Marina, do you, uh, do you have any opinion or thoughts at all on uh, the leadership of Zelensky and uh, what's happening in terms of the government in, U in Ukraine and Kiev? Well, the only thing I know for certain about Ukraine is that a country before Zelensky, and uh, I'm sure it will be in the future, it's a very corrupt place historically yeah and a lot of very um, um inappropriate things are being taken for granted because it's just a corrupted corrupt part of the world and many players have taken advantage of it ukraine is, was the breadbasket of the soviet union famously was um terrorized by stalin's golodomor Experience in the 1930s. My mother was born during it, so I know a lot of family stories about it and why that was perpetrated on the residents of Ukraine, all residents of all nationalities, religions, etc. It was a Stalin-era event. This is very reminiscent. What is happening right now reminds me of all of the experiences, reminds me of the Stalin-era Golodomor experience, because mm -hmm. It's a larger force trying to subdue a smaller force yeah. uh, with whatever the means that are available to it. Yeah, so uh, Marina, uh, what's interesting is that Putin's uh, popularity in polling has actually gone up, as I understand it, since the beginning of this uh, conflict and invasion. Uh, he's, I think, approval rating at something like 70%. You want to make a, a comment on that at all? Well, you know, it's not unlike Joe Biden's first year experience in popularity. The polls are really not trustworthy. Yeah. Uh, are they polling the Russians? The Russians now have a law that they cannot speak against the government because it comes with a 15-year jail term. And Russian jails, comparing to the United States jails, they're real jails, not resort homes. <laughs> so... Um, so, so in all reality, um, I wouldn't even venture out to discuss the polls. They are, you know, from what I understand through friends that I have in Russia that I communicate with, uh, they cannot speak freely any longer. Yeah, uh, so interesting, Marina. Well, any closing thoughts or any anything that you'd like to say to our listeners about uh, Ukraine, about the invasion, and uh, what's going on? 
we do not know all the truth of what is happening. I'm very firmly convinced of that because um, <laughs> from various sources, I have tidbits of information which lead me to believe, and perhaps this will some of it will come out after today's UN meeting about the biolabs, whether or not that's the truth. But uh, the whole story will be known later. So right now, all I know is that individuals are being terrorized on the ground in Ukraine. People who have had until two weeks ago, they were living their normal lives like we live here. They went to the stores. They had food and water. They had homes that they lived in and children who were happy. Now we have a whole country of 40 million people uh, begging for help. And um, I just hope that we have hearts large enough to help them and get that help to them directly. Um, because um, I hope it's not going to get diverted yeah. into somebody else's pocket. Well said, Marina Berkovich. Uh, do you, a website for the uh, Jewish Historical Society of Southwest Florida? JHSSWF.org. That's Jewish Historical Society of Southwest Florida. Marina, again, just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, thank you always for inviting me. I hope you have a wonderful uh, rest of the show and happy weekend. Thank you. You as well, Marina. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. I, I love the space architecture theme. I want to stick around for that. <laughs> it's a, he is such an interesting man. We're probably not going to talk about space architecture. He was a big guy in the uh, space program back in the day. 
And right now, he's a prolific author. He's written a lot of books uh, just based on his own intellectual curiosity, but a fascinating guest. So, yeah, I hope you will turn, tune in, Michael. So I, I'm pleased to have time with you, though, and a couple things I'd like to talk to you about. But why don't we start off with the price of insulin? The president of the United States has said he wants to do something about it. Maybe you could tell us about it. So if you've got diabetes, if you've got a child with diabetes, you know both that insulin is life. You can't live without this drug. And you know that the price of insulin is high. Uh, it is high relative to other countries, and it is rising. And it is making it a lot – it's making it very difficult for a lot of diabetics to afford this drug. Depending on how you slice the data, in the United States – Prices for insulin are anywhere from four times higher to 10 times higher than in other countries on average. Hmm. And then when you look at uh, individual countries, it could be even higher than that. So what President Biden has proposed is having the federal government place price controls on insulin. Hmm. Economists hate price controls because they have the opposite of their intended effects and make products more scarce rather than less scarce. Right. So that's exactly the wrong approach, uh, especially when there are other things that the government could be doing to make insulin more available and affordable. The simplest thing is just let Americans buy it from other countries. You know, Bernie Sanders takes buses up to Canada where people can buy insulin for a fraction of the price here. Let them go up there to do that. Uh, let, let people stay, do that from home where they can just order insulin through the, through the mail, and have it delivered to them. They, we have all sorts of things delivered to our homes. There's no reason we can't have insulin delivered to our homes. Is that currently? Is that is, currently? You might say, well, you'd need, a, you'd need a prescription for that, wouldn't you? How would that work? Well, not really. A lot of countries, including Canada, don't require prescriptions for insulin. That is so and interesting. And so that's another thing Congress can do is get rid of the prescription requirements, which force people, uh, diabetics, to go to the doctor and uh, get an unnecessary prescription, spend all that time, all that money, just to get this government-mandated permission slip in order to buy a drug that they know they need to save their life. So there's two things right there that the government can do without capping, uh, without imposing price controls that would actually make insulin more scarce. That is so interesting, Michael. Thank you for that. I was First of all, I wasn't aware that we... Uh, many countries uh, don't have a prescription requirement to take insulin, which is, probably makes sense. Is there any danger in taking insulin if you don't need it? Well, sure, there is. Uh, that, that's uh, that's going to be the rare occurrence of someone. Uh, of course, who, but it's, who does that? Yeah. And, uh, well, that that is so fascinating. Of course, the knee-jerk reaction coming out of people who like big government is what can the government do to solve this problem? And unfortunately, as you point out so many times on the show, the solutions actually make the problem worse. Uh, certainly when it comes to price control. And, you know, when you think about it, the reason that insulin is so expensive in the United States is because the government has been trying to make it cheap. Uh, when the government encourages us to buy more health insurance than we would otherwise, and we're more heavily insured uh, of, from the cost of the medical care that we need, consumers don't care about prices, and manufacturers can charge higher prices as a result. That's why the prices of insulin and so many other drugs and so many other medical goods and services are high and on the rise in the United States. It's not because we lack government intervention. It's because we have too much government intervention. I couldn't agree more. Actually, I was uh, having dinner with some friends and just mentioned that the only time I go to the doctor is if I'm feeling ill or not uh, doing well. If I have some reason to see the doctor, I'll do it. I don't go for annual physicals, though. And the response was, well, why not? They're free. (laughs) They're not free. They're not free free if the doctor finds something... It wasn't going to hurt you, but orders up a battery of tests. Right. And those tests are uncomfortable and cost you time and money. And maybe they find uh, uh, something else that wasn't going to hurt you and they uh, order up more tests. And there, there could be um, medical errors in hospital acquired infections that occur along the way. Medicine is, 
There's no such thing as a free lunch. No, well, yeah. Of free medicine can be very high. You just pointed out some things I wasn't even thinking about. I was thinking that we pay for it with our taxes, of course, uh, through uh, Medicare and so forth. But the point, or insurance premiums. But the point being is that, uh, you know, we've been conditioned to think that there's a lot of free stuff out there. Uh, and it's not free. I mean, there's there's a real consequences, financial and otherwise, for uh, for the way we think about health care. This is true. Yeah. So before I let you go, Michael, uh, any comments as we think about what's hopefully, you know, winding down uh, our concern about COVID? Well, it is uh, uh, gratifying finally to see so many jurisdictions with the mask mandate, uh, letting kids go to school uh, without their masks on and interact with each other that way. Some are some kids because it's, become habituated to it uh, are keeping the masks on either because they want to or because uh, maybe their parents are still very concerned and uh, but it it is that troubles and, and that troubles a lot of people it doesn't trouble me really if the kids want to keep it on I think eventually they'll come off yeah uh, for pretty much everyone uh, I just hope that we are able to learn from the experience once all of the you know better studies, uh, are run, and then the meta-analyses of studies of masking and other uh, public health interventions are run. We can find out what worked and what didn't, and that'll and that'll help us inform what we do during the next outbreak of either COVID, next yeah. surge in COVID, or the next pandemic that comes along. Yeah, uh, because I think one of the lessons we're probably going to take from COVID nineteen is that even though we can. Imagine you draw on a chalkboard ways that government can help by mandating these things. Uh, that there are so many drawbacks uh, when the government does intervene that we're going to conclude that the government should be much more restrained and circumspect the next time around, and that it should reserve its role to providing people with information, maybe subsidizing vaccines. Yeah, I, I think the, the other side to it, though, is that's what we've learned. We're going to be a lot more circumspect. I suspect that the government officials have said maybe we've learned from the experience how to do it better in the future. Unfortunately, I think it's, we haven't seen the last of this. And by the way, uh, a study just completed on uh, the effectiveness of remote learning during COVID. And of course, needless to say, the study points out that kids have been hurt. Uh, the progression in terms of education has been uh, stunted. It's so unfortunate that what we've gone through and uh, that we paid a dear price uh, for all of this in the interest of, quote unquote, protecting our health. And Michael Cannon, again, a research, uh, I should say, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit the website, cato.org, C-A-T-O dot org. Michael, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. My Take pleasure, care. indeed. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with uh, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And that's just one of the great initiatives. I hope you'll find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture. He's also the author of several books, his latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, he co-authored with Buzz Aldrin. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, it's always an honor. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Professor. Your latest column is so intriguing. Russia, and by the way, uh, Professor Bell writes his column in Newsmax.com. You can go to Newsmax.com and check out his column, On Point, which appears a couple of times a week. The latest is Russia and Iran helped by Biden's blunders as Ukraine suffers. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, I've been writing recently quite a lot. In fact, I have for years about about energy and, and uh, fundamentally energy policy. That most of it attaches to the issue of you know climate change and so on, uh, so-called renewable energy and, and et cetera, et cetera. And of course, uh, we can remember it was a little over a year ago, we were, as a country, we were energy independent. We had not only energy independent, but energy dominant as a, as a leading world exporter of, of uh, natural gas and oil and liquid natural gas and so on. And then that suddenly, uh, you know, that changed very radically and uh, with the Biden administration. And, and uh, you know, we saw the very beginnings of the Biden White House where you know, they shut down the plan for the uh, uh, pipeline from Canada. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, waived the uh, restriction on the Nord Stream Two pipeline from uh, Siberia to Germany and, and so on, and and all these disastrous energy policies, really the clampdown on uh, really slow walking drilling permits and and uh, closing down the drilling in Anwar in, in Alaska and so on, and really shutting down the financing for oil and gas and so on. And we've seen the repercussions of that. And most recently, uh, there was the, of course, the uh, uh, invasion of Ukraine. And very, very belatedly, the Biden administration uh, ended the uh, import of Russian oil uh, to the United States. And, and you know, amazing, we had been we had been under the Biden administration buying. All this Russian oil, uh, significantly uh, uh, supporting the Russian economy even after the invasion, mm -hmm. and Europe couldn't uh, couldn't do that because they're really beholden. They they rely on uh, Russia for uh, about half of their energy, you know, and uh, of course it's winter and and. Germany built all of these wind turbines, and and they they had a very 
very slow, you know, very bad wind uh, season last summer, and they're they're lacking uh, energy as is in the winter period, and uh, they're you know they're all stressed out, so they wouldn't they wouldn't uh, stop the import of Russian oil is because they depend on it. Uh, Germany uh, depends on it for Russian uh, energy for more than half of its supply. So so it's, it's just really been a disaster. But the, the pathetic thing, and it's all pathetic actually, is that now the, you know, the Biden administration, with the energy prices, you know, going very high and we just saw inflation at a 40-year high at 7.9%. Uh, the Biden administration is coming into a, and the Democrats are coming into a midterm season now where, you know, people's gas prices are just incredible. In some areas in California, almost $9 a, a, a gallon. Mm. Uh, fill, up, fill up your pickup truck, it's a couple hundred dollars. So, so the Biden administration is running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Trying to find a supply of you know something we can get oil from to bail us out, and the egregious thing they went to the Saudis and the Saudis said, you know, go pound sand and <laughs> we don't even want to talk to you. They said, <laughs> you, know, you, know, they, you know, they they don't, you know, the OPEC OPEC gave them a, a snub, and and now they're running. You know, they've got this absolutely insane Iran deal they want to sign back up to, where Iran is just. Uh, Weeks away from having a you know bomb material, an atomic bomb, and they've been working with Russia and China all along. So they're they're, they're going to they're going to, you know, where where it is that they're they're going back to um, deal with the mullahs and say, well, can you please give us some oil? We'll remove the sanctions and and, and so on, and then and then then also go to Maduro in uh, Venezuela and say, well, gee, we'll lift some sanctions if you'll give us some oil. So we went from being a energy leader to an energy pauper and an energy beggar, uh, and and this is really a dangerous situation. I mean, we're the leading power in the world. Uh, people look to us and uh, around the globe for leadership in a number of fronts. And to your point, I mean, we've just compromised ourselves right now and our national security by being dependent on others for oil. Others like Maduro and. Uh, Venezuela and uh, and uh, the, the cartel and it's and Iran. It's just very very sad right now what what the situation is. And and Biden basically says, well, you know what? There's nothing I can do about it. I mean, quite. And I hear people's pundits say, well, it's going to take years for us to get back into production. No, I don't think so. I mean, if we basically gave the signal to or energy companies that, hey, get, start producing, we will support you, or we'll get rid of the regulations getting in your way, we want we want oil, we want uh, energy, carbon-based energy, I think they could turn this thing around in a dime. Well, you're going against a religion. You know, there's actually a religion against this climate stuff. They have these... Uh you know, uh, climate credits now and, and financing, and they've got they've got everybody involved. They got the labor department, you know, slow walking and avoiding uh, issuing uh, oil leases. And uh, uh, you know, we heard from Saki just recently that well, there's all these nine thousand leases they're not using and so on. Well, it's not only the leases they won't they won't uh, you know it's it's also constraints on the pipelines. That, that connect to those leases. And, and so they've got, you know, they've gone after the pipelines. They've, they've gone after the, the banking institutions with, you know, the, you know, the, the, the tram companies can't get, can't get money. They can't get loans for, you know, for, for oil development. It's in, it's in the small frackers are really out of, out of luck in terms of, of being able to get financed. And, and so they, they've, they hit them on the financing side. They hit them on the, regulation side on the permitting side uh, and it's it's a it's a it's a holy war against energy and we have we have no alternatives in 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 the crazy germans even they're shitting on their nuclear you know uh, and they they built all these wind turbines you know i you know, i've written this for, you know for years i said my god all we have to do is look across the pond at europe and particularly germany is this really what we want to do i mean we can see them 
the lemmings running off the cliff and is this really where we want to go and uh apparently that's where the you know some segment of our of our uh population wants to go or is being blindly led uh, no question i mean and these windmills i mean they they chop up birds they create mental illness for people that are constantly exposed to that whirring sound that goes on day in and day out, 24 hours a day. It's uh, it's really, really painful to think about. Professor, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary on the show. I want to refer our listeners to Newsmax.com. Check out On Point by Larry Bell. Also, uh, the book, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, co-written with Buzz Aldrin, will be a great read as well. Professor, thank you so much for your commentary here on the show. And Bob, thank you so much. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you, I, I learned a lot and uh, really enjoyed it myself. So thanks for spending time with us. I uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Uh, on Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.